0: So, we are going to begin, and we are going to start in Matthew chapter 7. So, Matthew 7 is kind of the launching pad. Uh, We have, on Sunday nights, we have gone uh, several weeks, we looked at some different topics, and remember the first time when we kind of started back up on Sunday nights, the idea was... what would be beneficial, what would be helpful, helpful to us as a body to look at, to consider, or to study? So there was lots of topics that were given. Also, some things that since then, over the last several months, I've had people come up to me and go, Hey, can we add this topic to the list? Can we add this topic to what we're looking at? So this is coming from um, one of the more recent, so I had an individual come up and say, Can you tell me the difference between discernment and judgment? So my goal this evening, or my, my aim this evening is not necessarily to lecture or to say, well let me give you a definitive explanation of discernment versus judgment, but at the same time I also want to have a conversation where we can all be a part of saying, how do we, how do we define judgment versus discernment? Let me, some of you may be going, Well, what, what's the difference? Alright, so let me, give you, let me give you a couple scenarios to kind of maybe get the, the, brain, the brain fluids moving and then we'll step into Matthew 7 and some other passages. So, I go into Bev's, you're sitting outside Bev's, I walk outside of Bev's and I have got a box of blue mountains with me. Which also is sold as Coors Light... Alright? So, some of you are like, well, blue, I'm glad, I'm glad that a lot of you are like, why Blue Mountains? Why didn't you go, why didn't you go with Keystone? I mean, I'm glad that uh, I had some blank looks there, okay? So, let's say I walk out of beds and you see me and I have got a box that says Coors Light on the side of it. We're talking about wisdom versus discernment, man. You came in just at the wrong time and I don't want to, I don't want you to be like, what's he doing here? Alright? So, I walk out and I'm walking out of beds and you see me and I'm carrying a box of Coors Light your response might be um, Spence is wrong for doing that would that be judgment or would that be discernment judgment. well I, I'm not, there's not a right or wrong answer I'm just, <laughs> let, let, just kind of a thought a kind of a thought experiment or or if your response was that is not a good example Which would be judgment and which would be discernment? Or, let me give you another example. You hear me in a conversation and I'm talking to somebody or maybe I'm even talking to you, and I say the three words known as the, not an acronym, um, but known by the initials OMG. Oh my God. Now, if you hear me saying that and I just flippantly say that, Your response might be, Spence shouldn't talk like that. Could be wisdom. Could be discernment. Or you might say, well, what does Spence mean by that? That could be wisdom. Or it could be discernment. See, the idea between judgment and discernment can be a little bit of a dicey thing because when we look around the culture and we see the culture doing things or saying things or behaving in ways... On one hand, we say, "Well, do we judge? Should we judge?" And the other hand, we say, "But how do we discern what is right and wrong if we're not supposed to judge?" Are you tracking the the the, the conflict that many times we will come into? All right. So the, the goal tonight is just to ask the question: What is the difference between judgment and discernment? Are they two different things? And are there Biblical or scriptural guidelines that we should adhere to when it comes to judgment versus discernment. Okay? So this is kind of a, this kind of a thought experiment, a, a brainstorm, if you will. So if you have ideas that I'm going to put out, I would love to hear your ideas because this is still something that even me i 'm trying to formulate I 'm trying to think on how to articulate. You know how sometimes you can have ideas in your head and you kind of got you kind of are comfortable with the idea in your head, but then when you try to explain it, it just kind of okay, I'm the only one, okay, that's fine, that's cool, but you know, but sometimes it, it makes sense in your head until you try to say it out loud and then it just kind of comes out as mashed potatoes so sometimes with some of these things, um, I, I want to think about it, I want to I want to ponder on it, but at the same time it also helps to kind of work through some of these in a setting like this where we can get feedback And so um, I'm not trying to take as strong of a stance as much as to say let's think about this as a collective group, what is the difference between discernment and what is the difference between Judgment. Where is the line between being judgmental and being discerning? That's the overarching question that I that I'm asking tonight. So you're in Matthew 7. Alright? Matthew 7. Um, this let's look at judgment, and let's look at judgment from the negative lens. We're gonna look at it from the positive lens, but let's first look at it from the negative lens. So in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is speaking, if you have a red letter edition, probably um, except for the titles of the passages, pretty much every verse is going to be in red, right? So what is the context of Matthew 7, as far as what is, what is this known as from Matthew 5 to Matthew 7? What is that whole body of scripture talked about? Sermon on the Mount, Mount, right? Okay, so Jesus, thank you, so Jesus is um, delivering the Sermon on the Mount, so in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1, what does Jesus say? On initial reading you might come to verse 1 of chapter 7 and it says judge not that you be not judged. And you could walk away with the impression that we shouldn't be judging people. That, we're, that, that is off limits. That Jesus says do not judge not people. And in fact, he backs this up by saying, hey you're not supposed to judge. Why are you not supposed to judge? Because you're focused on the speck, the dirt, the grain of sand in that person's eye whenever you are being a hypocrite about your own sin. You're not supposed to judge people for their little sin, their piccadillies, but you because you've got such a massive sin on your own part. And so that's been used, right? There has been arguments and that has been used out there where people that would try to defend themselves and say hey, you're not supposed to judge me. And where do they get that from? Many times they get it from Matthew 7 verse 1. You're not supposed to judge me. You're not my judge. You heard that before? What's your response when they say that? Verse (laughs) 2. Verse 2? Okay. A lot of thoughts in that area, so let's go to another one, alright? Turn with me to Romans chapter 2. We're going to do a little Bible drill this evening, so just make sure um, for some of you that like the electronic version, it's going to be a lot easier, um, takes, the, takes the finger dexterity out of it, but Romans chapter 2, alright? <clears throat> There's another example that I want to look at from the negative when it comes to... Romans chapter 2 and verse 1, Paul writes, Therefore... So maybe on the initial reading, Romans 1, Paul is making a statement. He's trying to make an argument that... Everybody needs Jesus. Romans chapter 2, he's talking about the judgment of God that comes to every single person. And then Romans chapter 3, he's going to make the case that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we're right here in the middle where Paul is making the case that God's judgment is coming. But in relation to that, he wants to let them know, hey, you all are doing the judging. And do you not think that God will judge you for judging? So, could somebody, yes, ma'am.
1: We have to make judgments. We look at the action, not the person. We look at the action and discern, you know, and then we discern. Is this something I should do or should not do? Is this glorifying God? Is this not glorifying God? We have to make that uh, judgment by discernment. But we're not to judge that person. Only God knows the heart of that person, Sure. and only God can judge that person. We have to judge the action as to whether it's right or wrong, and
0: something I want to do or not. I agree, and we're we're going we're moving in that direction. <laughs> so don't please don't think that oh Spence is going off the rails. We're going to start with the negative, okay? What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to kind of get your is there. Cackles. What do you say, Jalen? Ah. Hackles. Trying to get your hackles up, trying to go, is he trying to make an argument that we can't judge people? Is he trying to do this? No. I'm just trying to get you thinking about, okay, so this is what the Bible says. These are two examples that if you took just, you took that on face value, just that passage, a standalone passage, you extrapolated that, you took that out, you brought it over here, and you read it, you could read that. In a contextual way that tells you, be careful, do not judge, because you will be judged for judging people. So that's a negative representation, that's a negative picture, but then let's think about a positive. The positive side of judgment. So you're in Romans, keep going to your right to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. This is one of the reasons why I find Scripture so absolutely fascinating. But at the same time, there are moments that it can be also so absolutely perplexing because you can read something by the same person in one book and then you can read something different that was written by the same person in a different book and they seem to say two different two different things. 1 Corinthians 5, the context... Paul is writing to them, and if you look up there in verse 1 of chapter 5, he is talking about the sexual morality, the sexual morality that is being allowed and being given space inside the life of the church. And he's writing to say, that is not okay. And there might have been people that I just maybe think, there may have been people that were sitting there going, well, Paul, it's not your place to judge. Paul, it's not your place to say this is wrong. Paul, it's not your place to tell people what they are or what they are not. In fact, God made them this way. How are you to have anything to speak against? 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 12. Paul says, For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? So he's saying... Yes, You don't necessarily go out on the street corner and just look at everybody and go, bad, 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 lost, 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 sinner, 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 going to hell, going to hell, going to hell. He says, but, but, inside the church, aren't you supposed to judge inside the church who is being faithful, who is not being faithful, who is being obedient, who isn't being obedient? So it's like on one hand, one passage says, don't judge. And on the other hand, the passage says, we are supposed to judge. What do they call that? A, a paradox? A, a juxtaposition, maybe? It gets even a little bit more complicated because you get into chapter 6, and Paul's going to pivot the conversation, and he is going to talk about lawsuits amongst believers. And he says this in verse 3. Well, la, 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 la. let's go back up to verse 1 and then finish at verse 3 for the sake of context. So he says in verse 1. When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to the law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? But then verse 3, Do you not know that we are to judge angels? So, in a positive sense, Paul is saying, Hey, Mr. and Mrs. Believer, do you not realize that we have a greater standing than the angels and we are to judge angels? Now, you might stop and you may say, Okay, well, Spence, how is that going to work? I don't know. I, I don't have a clue. Don't have a chapter verse that goes into how we, we lay that out. Because, you know, in my mind, if you're an angel in heaven, um, you probably got your stuff together. I don't know what I'm going to judge you on as being a person on earth that sinned against God that was the reason that Jesus died on a cross that um, is a glory stealer and a selfish, prideful person. And here you are in heaven with God bringing glory and honor to God for all your life, for all in eternity. I mean, what am I judging you on? Does that make sense? It'd be like me going to the Major League Baseball Park and giving an evaluation to the Major League Baseball players. Didn't
1: God already judge the angels?
0: There is a judgment, yes. So when Satan rebelled against God and he um, recruited a third of the angels to rebel against, and yes, God did judge Satan and cast the third of the angels down to the earth. Yes. Yes, ma'am. I was under the impression that when we get
1: to heaven, we are going to be judging the
0: fallen angels. We are going to be judging the fallen angels? I
1: read that just
0: the other day. Well, um, okay. Okay? That might, that might be true. Like I told you, this is like a brainstorming experience experiment, okay? I mean, that, that, I'm, not, I'm not saying you're wrong, Miss Donna. Um, I'm just... But where it tells us there, when, when Paul puts it there in 1 Corinthians 6 and 3, do you not know that you're going to judge angels? Well, if the whole idea that judging was a bad thing and judging was a wrong thing, then why would Paul place it in a positive light? So then I'm left. I'm trying to be a Bible student. I'm trying to look through God's Word. I'm going to try to say, well, should I judge or should I not judge? Is it okay to judge? Is it not okay to judge? Where should I be? So when someone looks at me and goes, you shouldn't judge me, judgment is a sin. Well, are they right or are they wrong? And how do I respond when these moments come? So how do we know judgment versus when a judgment is positive or when a judgment is negative? So let's leave judgment over to the side. I type in discern into my search bar of my computer software for my Bible computer software. I plug in discern, and what it will do is it will search the entire Um, English Standard Version Bible for every time the word discern is used. Now, it's not going back to the original language. It's just looking for the English translation. So when I plug in discern, it brings up 15 different entries throughout the entire Bible where you see discernment used. I go through those 15 different entries, and um, there is only um, one that was specifically, specifically, addressing our discernment. The rest of them talked about discerning the hand of God, discerning the will of God, discerning something else. So um, when we use the word discernment, I, I don't think it's a bad word, but I don't want you to think, well, Spence, why can't you take me to a verse that talks about discernment in a judgmental way because I am not finding where the Bible shows the contrast between judgment and discernment. I think it's something that we, in a contemporary mindset, We hold the two, and we can see the difference in the two. But that's not a a, a principle that I see clearly in Scripture. Does that make sense? So if you're looking for, well, let's see what the Bible says about discernment. Uh, let's go back to Matthew chapter 7. Because I think Matthew chapter 7, and the following passage, is going to talk about discernment. While it doesn't use the word discernment, I think the idea of discernment is at play in Matthew chapter 7. So, we think about discernment we see there's both positive and negatives, and so we we find ourselves going, okay, Spence, so they're both there, so which one do we... Where do we land? Where do we stand? Um, How do we see this? Is judgment a good thing or is it a bad thing? Is it something that we're supposed to do? Is it not something we're supposed to do? And then what about this idea of the sermon? Well, you get to Matthew 7 and verse 15. Still Jesus. Still Sermon on the Mount. Still red letters. And He says, Beware of the false prophets. It doesn't say discernment anywhere in there, but the idea that I take away from that is Jesus is saying that when you're going down the road, um, you can look at the fruit of people's lives and evaluate or discern the condition of their lives. Buddy Jackson was a retired pastor um, in the area around Zanais and uh, he and his wife. Missy um, came and, and joined the church, and you know, and if you're a young preacher and an older seasoned retired pastor comes and joins the church, it's, it can be intimidating. You can think to yourself, he's going to constantly be evaluating me, he's constantly being going to be critiquing me, he's constantly going to be telling me the things that I'm doing wrong, and quite the opposite happened. He was the most encouraging, generous, gracious person that I can ever imagine. And one of the things that I remember him saying over and over again is that there. There is nothing wrong with being a fruit inspector, and the idea went back to here in Matthew chapter seven. He, because the idea is, is that when you're looking at people's lives, being a fruit inspector is not a sinful thing. You're just looking at the fruit and going, good fruit, bad fruit, healthy fruit, non healthy fruit positive fruit, rotten fruit. You're just looking at the result of people's lives and as a matter of discernment you're not saying as far as as right or wrong, you're just saying hey, apple tree, I should see apples. And if I've got an apple tree and I'm getting lemons, then either the fruit is wrong or the tree is wrong. And it's just, a, it's just a simple concept. It's just a simple formula. It's just a simple thing that he says when it comes time for discernment and when it comes time to looking at the things around you, consider, look around. So he does say... Beware the false prophets. How are we going to know the false prophets? We'll know them by their fruit. Then he says, nineteen um, or sorry, verse 20, Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. What, so if it's a negative thing that we're looking and evaluating people, then why does he tell us to do it? So there is discernment. There is that picture of what it looks like to be faithful to God. Let me give you another one. John. John 14. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John 14. So when it comes time to the picture discernment, um, he says part of the means of discernment is inspecting fruit. But then also, John 14, let's look at verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then drop down to verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. Drop down to verse 23. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him, and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me, does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Now when we look at these three different places, there's a glaring theme that comes out of that, that we can be people that identify those that keep God's word, right? I mean, he says... If you love me, you'll keep my word. If you keep my word, there are blessings that come. If you do not keep my word, you do not love me. And so part of the tool of discernment is saying, who is keeping God's word and who isn't keeping God's word? There's a certain element that comes in and looks and says, well, this is what God's word says. Is this person doing it? I don't remember if it was. I think it was Adrian Rogers. Oh, some of those, some of those more seasoned pastors and their their illustrations and their stories. It's amazing. You gonna sit down, brother? Yeah. Okay. So some of their some of their stories is just really neat. But Chuck Swindoll, I'm not sorry, Charles, not, not Chuck Swindoll. Adrian Rogers told a story. He's like, just imagine, husband and wife, they get married leave on the honeymoon, and they come back. When they come back, the husband says, well, honey, sure has been a really great honeymoon, but uh, I'm going to drop you off your mother's house now. Oh, and on the weekends, I'll come see you, and oh, I'll talk to you every every once in a while, and we'll get together in the summers and spend a little bit more time, and from time to time, if I have something come up, I will come talk to you. And he went on and on and on and on, and he said that that is how many people treat God in the church. And even though the church is supposed to be the bride of Christ, and even though we are supposed to be believers in Jesus Christ, many times we treat it as a a, a fickle or an infrequent relationship. And here, Jesus is saying in John 14, you know what, the way that you're going to know those people that love me are the ones that keep my word. And there is such a thing as discernment to say, is this person keeping God's word? One last one. All the way back towards Revelation. If you get to Revelation, you've gone too far. If you get to Jude, you've gone too far. If you get to 3 John, you've gone too far. If you get to 2 John, you've gone too far. Let's go all the way back to 1 John chapter 5. There's another element of discernment. So the discernment of being a fruit inspector, the discernment of being a word keeper, But then also 1 John chapter 5. Verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so we may know Him who is true and we are in Him who is true in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Now how does this fit into discernment? Well, We understand that Jesus has come, and we understand that He has revealed Himself to us. God has revealed Himself, and the primary way that God has revealed Himself is through the Bible and through the Bible we are able to gain understanding about not just who God is but we're able to also gain understanding about who we are and how that connection between us and God. We're able to understand our relationship and our fellowship through our understanding of God's word and so he says there in verse 20 the Son of God has come and given us understanding. He's given us a a certain level of discernment to know what God's word is, what God's word isn't and what God's word means and how we are to obey and follow it other verses we can look at I told you that was the last one didn't I Okay, then don't turn I will turn to Romans chapter 12 I'm not asking you to turn I'm not asking you to turn because then I'd make myself a liar. I already told you that was the last one so I will turn to Romans chapter 12 and, and read to you what it says you don't have to turn. I told you, I'll, I'll, I'll turn. Okay, so Romans chapter 12. What does he say? I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a holy and living, sac- or living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect is giving them the exhortation and the admonishment. Hey, the reason why you want to transform your mind, the reason why you want to renew your mind is that by testing and discernment you may know what the will of God is. So discernment is a positive thing. So now, maybe let's take this back. So how do we determine the difference between judgment and discernment? Dictionary, dictionary. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Because okay, there's gonna be a define, but like. But it, it just says the ability to judge well. Ability to judge well. That's judgment. Yeah. Okay. No, that that's discernment. 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 Okay. For sure. Yes, sir. I associate judgment with knowledge. Okay. And I associate discernment with wisdom. Okay. It's like it's a deeper on a deeper plane. Okay. All
1: right. Isn't discernment listed in the gifts of the Spirit? I, like, see, I see discernment more as a, a, a spiritual discernment. Okay. That we are given the ability to identify spirits around us. Are they good are they bad? Is this lie? Is this truth? Rather than judging someone's actions... Judgment, discernment to me is being able to understand through the Spirit those around us that are not of God.
0: Okay. Good.
1: That's that's how I see discernment, and I, I have seen it work in my life an awful lot. Yeah. God has given me that to discern. This is not what I want to be, what
0: I want to do. This is not right. right. I'm, li- I'm being lied to. Sure. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Is judgment kind of like a okay. sentence? judgment kind of like a sentence? Kind of like a sentence? Like a, like your, okay? All right. Any other ideas of the difference between judgment and discernment?
1: I kind of see discernment as just being able to tell what is true and what is false. So spiritual discernment would be able to tell what is true and what is false spiritually. Where judgment is more <laughs> pointing it out type thing. All right.
0: Heart. Heart. If yeah. I go back to your original example,
1: I see you're buy it. With
0: Bud Light,
1: but, <laughs> 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 I, if I see that and I think it's wrong and I immediately call Mark and say, hey, you know what I saw? You know, not only my gospel judging you if I talk to you later and say, you know, since I know having alcohol isn't necessarily a sin, but is that a good image? Sure.
0: So, so. Sure. wonder if I if I don't wait long enough because I think there's some of you that are thinking about something to say but you're like oh well somebody else is going to talk and so I think if I wait long enough then some there's always there's always really valuable input um, that's in this room so let me tell you where I'm leaning when I see in scripture the picture of judgment a big portion of judgment has to do with what the standard that you're judging by. Really, I mean, similar to what Brandon talked about, the condition of your heart, I think that really what the question is, is what is the standard of judgment? So if you were to tell me, hey, Spence, you know what? Um, In my opinion or in my judgment, Spence, you weigh 150 pounds. Well, one of two things has to be true. Either your vision is faulty or your standards of measurement are not the same standards of measurement that the bathroom scale uses. Right? So a lot it comes down to what is the standard or what is the means of the judgment that you're using now there are times there are times I don't want to say that judgment is bad and I don't want to say discernment is good because you see both in scripture you see both presented in scripture and especially when it comes to the time of judgment we are seeing we have seen and we do see both positive and negative pictures of judgment so the question is, is how do we know when judgment is a good thing or when judgment is a bad thing and my encouragement to you would be is whenever we are using us as the standard of the judgment we must be careful so if you see me and I am walking out of bed and I have got the beer in tow and you go he is wrong for doing that the question is is what is the standard for your judgment your opinion your preference your tradition your experience there's a lot of factors and I'm not saying that those are not valid what I'm saying is is that if the whole thing that you say is Spence is wrong for doing that because I said so then the basis for our judgment or the standard for our judgment is us and we're just not that awesome
1: That's the judgment if it it's under the law instead of grace
0: I wouldn't say that. I would say that if you are using the standard or the measurement of God's Word. So, I walk out of beds, so and let's go back to the beard. I go, out, I walk out of beds, and I'm holding the beard, and you look and say, Spence, that's not a great example. You're not judging me based upon your standards. You're going back and saying, you know what, in Ephesians 5, it talks about your witness, and it talks about your walk. Over in 1 Peter 5, it talks about your your example as a shepherd. You go to 1 Peter chapter 3, and it talks about the qualifications of an elder. You go to Titus chapter 1, and it talks about above reproach, a man of good repute. Spence, this isn't a good example, and this isn't a model based upon the testimony of Scripture. So what you've done is, is that you're still making a discernment. You're still making an evaluation. You're even still saying, hey, I've got questions about what you're doing, but the basis of what you're doing is based upon the Word of God. So, Brandon brought it up. So, a Bud Light commercial. Dylan Mulvaney is plastered as a promotional deal for Bud Light. And there are a whole slew of people on one, one side or the other. One side over there is like, oh, we think that's nice of Bud Light to do that. And there's a whole other side over there go, no, that is terrible. That is wrong. My question is, is why is it terrible and why is it wrong? Is it because they think so or is it because it's an affront to the Word of God? I hope that all of us in this room that we would say, well, it's because it's an affront to the Word of God. Yes, but sometimes we are tempted to not have our chapter and verse ready and to say something to the effect of, well, I know it says it in the Bible somewhere. Or... We start inventing things in the Bible that aren't in the Bible, and the next thing you know, we are judging people based upon the book of Spence instead of the Word of God. And I think that if we enter into that, and you can call it judgment, you can call it discernment. When we can play with these words and interchange them, I am not going to tell you tonight that I think that judgment is bad and discernment is good. I think that both of them are tools that God has given us to evaluate what is right and wrong. But what are we going to to evaluate it against? That is... What I think is the whole crutch of the question. So when someone looks at you and says, well, you're not my judge, you are absolutely right. I am not your judge, but God is your judge and God has revealed himself and God has given me understanding and God has given me the mandate to warn you that you will answer to that judge and this is how he's going to judge you. What's not your place to say whether this is right or wrong? You are absolutely right, which is why I am so grateful that I am not God, but you know what God has said in this book, chapter and verse says, that this is not okay, and so therefore, I'm not the one saying it's not okay. God is the one that's saying it's not okay. You see the difference? You're, You're basing it. Now, I'm dealing with this right now as a father, Because at two years old, I said so is sufficient. (laughs) 15, 13, and 12, they don't consider that to be sufficient. (laughs) Right? And at two, it's hard to try to rationalize or be logical with the two-year-old to try to explain all the dynamics that are in play. Because I really think I'm wasting my time. However, 15, 13, and 12, I am responsible for helping them learn how to think. And if their mother and I are not helping groom, we can use the word too, we, if we're not helping groom the way that they think, there are other, other godless forces out there that are more than happy to come in and help groom them in how to think. So, 15, 13, and 12, I can't say, well, because I said so, and end the story. I am responsible for explaining to them. And when I start to explain to them, I can say, well, because this is what your daddy thinks, but I already know that a 15-year-old really doesn't give one hoot nanny what daddy thinks. Laughter there's not a 15-year-old in this room. <laughs> Past, present, or future, they gave a nanny what their dad thought. <laughs> this 15-year-old at one time didn't give a nanny what his daddy thought. So when it comes to that, what do I need to do? I need to be able to say, this is where I'm at. Agree, don't agree. Like it, don't like it. But this is where I'm at based on, not the opinion of me, but based upon the opinion of God. Word of God. Now there's some things that you may say, well, you know what, and, I, and I've heard this, I, I, I'm getting this on a regular basis. You may say, well, that's not in the Bible. Yes, but at the end of the day it gives me the mandate as the parent to train the child. Right? Train up the child in the way he should go. I am giving a mandate as a parent that I am a steward of God's Gift. I am a steward of God's creation. I am a steward of somebody made in the image of God, and I am stewarding that, and I will give an account to God for that. So when I come in, it's not me being judgmental and saying, well, because I said so, and because I don't like it. I am responsible to come back and say, well, this is what God's Word says, and let's look at this. Now, I'll be honest with you, it's a whole lot easier <laughs> to say because I said so. And there's a lot of Christians that are walking around this earth saying, that's wrong, that's wrong, you shouldn't do that, boo on you. And when someone says, why? Well, because I don't like it. I think that's where they get the judgmental hypocrite label. Because I'm working through this and I'm thinking through this, my mind goes to, well, what is the standard? what is the basis for the measurement so the question how where's the line between judgment and discernment what's the difference in judgment and discernment how do we how do we decide between the two between judgment and discernment where i'm at tonight discernment is used in the process of judgment discernment says what does god's word says Say? What does God's word say? What has God revealed? What has Christ modeled? What has the church practiced? All of these things that we look at as a way of discerning, then we use that discernment to filter in and be inputs into us making a judgment. If our method of discernment and our means of discernment are faulty and unbiblical, then our method and our means of judgment will be faulty and unbiblical. The day is now. We can't say the day is coming. The day is now that we have an opportunity to stand up and say, God says no. We're there. It's not something on the horizon that we're beating the war drum, saying, "Oh, it's coming, it's coming." No, it's it's here, it's now. And when we do this, we must be we must be in a position to say, because of God's word, this is where we stand. And if they say, "Well, that's being judgmental," that's being biblical if they say well you can't judge me I am not judging you I am telling what God says about this situation or this circumstance or this behavior or this attitude but yet when we come at it and say well I don't like it because of what I think we're setting ourselves up for hypocrisy and a heart that is not where it should be And a heart then, then God will say, so you're wanting to call them into account for what they're doing when you're guilty of the same thing. Ignoring me, not yielding to me, not trusting in me, not representing me. Thoughts, pushbacks.